You're now listening to the Hot Take Podcast with Stephen Blake, your source for everything fantasy football. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni and Blake Sullivan. Welcome. This is the Hot Take Podcast. My name is Stephen Taroni, the fantasy professor. And myself and Blake Sullivan are back and better than ever. We are here to provide you with the best fantasy football experience around. Blake, what is going on, buddy? Man, it is a great day for some fantasy football talk. Uh, Great guest coming up. We got James Coe, part two on the hot take. Uh, We had him on last year, so great to have him back on again this year. This show's got a lot of great stuff lined up, so... Uh, A lot of things that we haven't really talked about yet this year that I think are important. We're talking about some of the ADP movement, uh, some of these wide receivers and running backs that we really like and their value and how that's changing. Uh, And James obviously is very analytical, but he's also got the video mind too. So uh, a lot of great takes between all three of us today. Yeah, most definitely. If you're a fan of James Coe, we have a really cool announcement uh, in regards to his progression uh, in the fantasy world. So stay tuned for that. Uh, We're also going to do some in or outs today. Uh, This guy or that guy, we're going to talk a little bit Tyreek Hill and talk some uh, talk some tight ends as well. So there's some news. Uh, Before we get into that, uh, we want to talk about Melvin Gordon. We have to address that situation. We haven't done it yet here on the hot take. Melvin Gordon officially today did not show up for training camp. So the holdout is on. Um, We're not sure how long that's going to go, but it could certainly creep into the regular season, which is definitely relevant for fantasy football. So basically the deal is Melvin Gordon wants 13 or $14 million a year. The Chargers want to extend him, and he's still good up until 2020. His contract is good right now. I think he's making 5.6 this season. Um, but he wants that, that 13, 14 mil a year. He wants that Le'Veon Bell money. Uh, and I don't think the Chargers want to pay him that. So they got to figure something out. Blake, what is your perspective of this right now? Um, I think that we really need to start thinking about the backup options in, in, uh, in Los Angeles. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to definitely look at the backup options because you might get an extreme value play. Uh, Both of these guys are going really late in drafts and, you know, sometimes even going undrafted. Um, So I think it's important, you know, we're looking at Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson, of course. Uh, And there is a possibility that Melvin Gordon does hold out, much like Le'Veon Bell did. Uh, You're looking at his age, you know, he's only 26, so – He's got plenty of a career left, so it's not like he's throwing out a precious year of his career. You know, it's all right now, Austin Eckler at the 8.06. Scrolling down here, trying to find Justin Jackson might take me a little bit. I don't know that – you know, we've got him at the 14.02, so pretty much you're able to get those guys whenever. Um, But they're going to – their ADP is going to soar if, in fact, Melvin Gordon does hold out. But you might not know that until closer to the season. Yeah, and, you know, uh, I think Austin Eckler's ADP has definitely uh, gone up. Uh, I don't think he was at the 806, you know, just uh, a week ago. Um, So now you're looking at, okay, uh, do I pay up for Austin Eckler? And I think the only reason you would pay up for Austin Eckler is if you know 
that he's going to be used as the three down back. Justin Jackson is not going to be relevant. And you're getting the Los Angeles Chargers running back. But I don't think that's the case, Blake. I think that, if anything, both of these backs are just going to split time. And it's you're going to have the value of Justin Jackson at that 14th round. Yeah, so the way I'm looking at this is kind of the same way I've been looking at uh, the 49ers going into this year with Tevin Coleman and Jarek McKinnon. Uh, I think in that offense, Tevin Coleman has that slight advantage. And in this offense, I'm going to give Austin Eckler the slight advantage just because he's more established. Uh, he's gotten more volume over the last couple of years. So I think they're trusting him a little bit more, maybe going into camp. But Justin Jackson really did not look too bad at the end of last season. So there is a possibility these guys are in a 50-50 type role. And at most, I see it being a 60-40 to 70-30 type role favoring Austin Eckler. So really, I wouldn't get too amped up about either of these guys, especially not knowing if Melvin Gordon's going to be there or not. And right now, he's going at the 111. So you could get pretty good value on Melvin Gordon uh, at the 111. But I think I would hold out myself on getting Melvin Gordon as well and wait until he maybe drops into – you know, that second or third round, which, you know, third round sounds ridiculous, but I have been able to get him in the middle of the second. If Melvin Gordon gets down to the second round, imagine Melvin Gordon as your RB2 going into 2019 and he plays a full 16-game uh, slate. Well, uh, my problem, my big problem uh, with getting him as my RB2 is that Todd Gurley's there as well. So how do you make that call between Melvin Gordon and Todd Gurley, who both have major question marks, as your RB2? You would take both these guys as your RB1 in a normal year, uh, but now we start throwing these questions at you and you're trying to decide which one's going to be your RB2. Yeah, just for some context here, uh, last season in week 11 when Melvin Gordon uh, did not play, uh, Justin Jackson was – he got more carries than Austin Eckler. He got seven carries as opposed to five carries from Austin Eckler. Now, Austin Eckler was used in the passing game. He had 10 targets in that game. Uh, so it seemed like, okay, maybe Justin Jackson is going to be used uh, maybe as primary runner, and Austin Eckler is going to be the pass catcher. Uh, the next week, they played Pittsburgh. Uh, Austin Eckler was used more in the running game, but Justin Jackson B was, was more efficient. Justin Jackson had eight carries for 63 yards and a touchdown where Eckler had 13 carries for 21 yards. Again, Austin Eckler was used more in the passing game. So both of these guys pretty much were, you know, it was like an even split. Now the one game, the Cincinnati game, and that was the week after, uh, Justin Jackson only had seven carries for 12 yards where, uh, where Austin Eckler had 15 carries for 66 yards. And that's where we kind of saw, okay, Justin Jackson in a game where you thought that he was going to run all over the place against the Cincinnati Bengals offense. Uh, I remember in DFS playing Justin Jackson last year, Blake, um, and Austin Eckler was the guy. He gave you a touchdown in that game as well. Um, but it, it just seems as if they were kind of all over the place with how they were using both players. Um, I, I think if it's between the two, and you know that Melvin Gordon is going to miss some time, I would save the draft capital and I would get Justin Jackson. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that, you know, in the 14th round, you're not losing as much as you are with taking Eckler in the eighth round. And the thing is, if Melvin Gordon does play 
and one of these guys turns out to be the clear secondary back, if you're in the 14th round, that's fairly good value. But if you're looking at somebody in the eighth, your eighth round is only an RB2 on the team, then you wasted a pick there because they're probably not going to provide enough value week to week to really make it worth that pick. Yeah, I'm looking at the running backs in the eighth round. It's Kareem Hunt in the eighth round of a PPR league. Kareem Hunt, Ronald Jones, Jordan Howard, um, Royce Freeman. If Austin Eckler is the Chargers running back, that is extremely obvious in who you would take. You would take Austin Eckler over all of those guys. Um, so the eighth round, you know, isn't necessarily a bad pick for, for Austin Eckler, depending on how they use him. But, of course, this is all speculation right now. I think what's being overlooked because, you know, fantasy Twitter is all over this. You know, it's Eckler or Justin Jackson. You have, you know, uh, Jesse Reeves of, uh, of uh, Newly of uh, the Roto Underworld. He's a big Just, Justin Jackson guy. J.J. Zachariasen, who we had on the show a couple weeks ago, he's a big Justin Jackson guy, but has admitted, hey, look, if Austin Eckler is the guy, like, that's who you need to go with. And I think he even is leaning Austin Eckler. You're just getting the value with Justin Jackson just in case he can get that volume. But looking past that, why are we not talking about Keenan Allen? Keenan Allen's value is going to go up substantially if Melvin Gordon misses time. And we can look to last year with the New Orleans Saints. What happened? They didn't have Mark Ingram for their first four games. Michael Thomas saw double-digit targets in all of those games. Um, that means that offenses, when they lose one of their best offensive offensive players they're going to lean on their next best offensive player and that's Keenan Allen so you're talking about Keenan Allen who slips into the mid third round a lot and I don't think his ADP is going to fluctuate that much even though it should if Melvin Gordon misses time I think Keenan Allen is going to be a great value in the third round I think it's a great point because you look at Melvin Gordon too not only is he getting the rock a lot on the ground 284 carries in 2017 that's ridiculous but he had 50 receptions last year, and he only played in 12 games. So it's not like he's, you know, just on the ground threat. He's getting those receptions too. Uh, obviously, if Austin Eckler is the guy, he might get more receptions than Melvin Gordon would have. But I still think that that's going to leave a lot of, a lot of passes uh, available for somebody, and it's got to be Keenan Allen that takes those. Yeah, it's it's definitely something to think about here uh, as we uh, build up towards the start of the season. All right, we have James Coe on the show today uh, of DirecTV, The Fantasy Zone, and newly of Yahoo Sports. I want to congratulate you first off, James. That is an awesome gig. Uh, tell us about that and like what you got coming up for us on Yahoo Sports. Yeah, you know, um, it, it's, a, it's a writing gig for Yahoo, and it's a, it's a place that I've always wanted to go. Um, I, I first started playing fantasy back in the late 90s, and the first platform I ever used was Yahoo Sports, and I've never left. So um, I've been a Yahoo Sports guy since, since the jump. Um, so to be able to write for them uh, is a dream come true. I, and, and, you know, to be honest with you, man, I got, a little, I got a little emotional when they were like, yeah, we want you to come aboard. I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, because, you know, uh, Brad Evans, I'm a fan. Andy Behrens, is, I'm a fan. Um, Dalton Del Don, I'm a fan. Liz Loza, and obviously my guy Matt Harmon is over there now too. 
Um, and I've just been a big fan of their work for, for, you know, a decade and a half. I've been reading Yahoo. So to see my face and my byline uh, show up on Yahoo Sports this upcoming fall, I'm going to be extremely excited. That's awesome. And then, of course, you know, you got the fantasy zone, which is really cool. Um, I was checking that out last year. I know we had you on and I, I was really pumped for that um, because I love the red zone, obviously. But the fantasy zone brings us something a little different. Yeah, I mean, it's basically the red zone with the fantasy twist to it, you know. So we cover every single game. We're going to show you all the scores. and But then on top of that, we're going to give you touches and targets. We're going to give you air yards. We're going to give you all the fantasy analysis, injury news. I mean, we've got a orthopedic surgeon who, oh, by the way, played for uh, the Washington Redskins back in the day, has a Super Bowl ring as well, right? So this guy, Doc Addicts, he, he just brings a certain level of expertise you won't find. You will not find literally anywhere else. And I'm extremely excited to be part of that show once again. So 2019 is going to be a big year. Um, and I'm really excited about what Fantasy Zone is going to look like. That's awesome. Yeah, check that out on DirecTV this year. Um, and I, I think, you know, you'll find if you like the Red Zone, you're going to love the Fantasy Zone. Um, so, James, let's start off with a bang, man. Tell me, who is your guy this year for 2019 redraft leagues? And let's keep this PPR. Um, who is your guy? Can be any round in a draft. Who Man, I start thinking about, you know, running backs because for me, I don't, for whatever reason, I feel like I'm going to go uh, zero RB this year because I think wide receivers are going to be at a heavy discount. Um, but when you go zero RB, you still need to figure out what you're going to do at that running back position, you know? So – um, this isn't your standard zero RB guy, but there is somebody in the mid to late part of the second round that I do think you can get. Um, and for me, it's going to be Dalvin Cook. Uh, I just think Dalvin Cook, uh, with the Vikings, look, you know, Mike Zimmer's a defensive minded guy. He wants to run this ball. Um, they changed OCs. They've got Steph, uh, Kevin Stiff's, uh, Stefanski in there now. Um, but kind of low-key, under the radar, they also brought in Gary Kubiak to be this amorphous offensive assistant coach. He's not going to call plays. We don't know how much involvement he's going to have. But, again, Stefanski's like 37 years old. Gary Kubiak is a mastermind. Um, and to me, I get really excited thinking about, again, if, um, uh, if he can stay healthy – can Dalvin Cook, what kind of numbers can this guy post? Because I, I start going back and looking at some of these running backs that Kubiak has mentored, right? I mean, you know about uh, Arian Foster, okay? You know about uh, Terrell Davis. Both these guys posted 2,200-plus yards, right? Um, but, I mean, even Justin Forsett, Steve Slayton, we're talking 1,500-plus yards, right? So he has a very long history. Mike Anderson is another guy that posted 1,500-plus yards. So – it's just there's a lot of reasons to get really excited about Dalvin Cook. Um, and I do think that he is a guy that, again, if he can stay healthy, um, could be an absolutely huge, huge steal. And quite honestly, I think he's got top five, top four running back potential. Yeah, so you mentioned going like potentially zero RB. So maybe Dalvin isn't necessarily a guy that's going to be on your squad. But where in drafts are you – you know, because obviously this is a guy that you're targeting. And I, I think that that's a great call because, you know, we're talking about there's so much attention with those top four guys. And then you get that right. like Le'Veon Bell, 
um, Melvin Gordon, of course. And, you know, Calvin Cook is kind of getting, like, forgotten about, which can be advantageous for fantasy. So when are you comfortable drafting him? Is it – I mean, if, are you going to draft him at the end of the first round, or would you feel more comfortable – uh, you know, waiting a little bit, and then if he's there, you scoop him up. Oh, he will absolutely, no question, be there in the second round. So I, I wouldn't reach to get him in the first. Um, if you're drafting in the back half of the, of the first round, it gets a little tricky. Um, if I'm drafting 9, 10, 11, or 12, I'm probably going to pass on Dalvin Cook just because there are so many wide receivers that I really, really like. Um, and the injured concern, I think, would scare me off just a little bit as well. But if I'm drafting five, six, seven, eight, I would love to take a wide receiver first round and then on that comeback pick, uh, get Dalvin Cook in the second. Because you're right, I think he is going to be largely a forgotten dude. And I think injury concerns will certainly be there. I think last year his production obviously was not where it needed to be. I think people are going to be scared off a little bit because they, they paid a hefty price to get Dalvin Cook last year. It obviously didn't pay off very well. So people are going to be scared off of him. I wonder if he'll fall even further out of the second round once we get closer uh, to draft day. Because as you mentioned, he's kind of sort of this forgotten figure. So um, I'll be curious. Uh, I will be very curious to see what his ADP is. But again, if he's if he's there in in the mid in the mid second round, I'll scoop him up. Yeah, I mean, you know, even you know, and and I appreciate you being a, like kind of a zero RB guy, or at least considering that, because you know that's what I'm all about. Like you know, for the past three years, I've gone so wide receiver heavy in all of my drafts, and it tends to work out because if, as long as you're paying attention, as long as you know your stuff running backs become kind of expendable uh, in the sense of, look, they're going to get injured. You just need to be able to pick up and, and kind of like put that RB2 in place uh, as long as you have like one stud. Um, but that being said, this year, those first four guys, you kind of want to walk away with one of them if you're uh, in the top you know, five pick. And then we get into a situation here where if you draft one of those top four guys like Christian McCaffrey, and then you're in the back of the second and Dalvin Cook is there, you might want to reconsider that draft strategy. Yeah, no, look, look, if you, if you have a chance to get Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, especially, let me say this about CMC. I love CMC. Uh, I've been a big fan of his, even coming out of Stanford, because I'm a Cal guy, right? And I just used to watch him just wreck us every single game, and it was so frustrating. But I've been a huge uh, CMC fan since day one. Okay, now that being said, his uh, advanced efficiency metrics, I, I think we're a little bit below average. Um, and I just wonder if he comes back to earth a little bit. I'm a little bit concerned about Cam's shoulder, uh, the overall health of the Panthers' offense. Um, I just have some concerns there. Would I, you know, balk at taking him in the top five? Probably not because, again, he's such a versatile weapon. I'm just saying – I'm just saying there are, I think, red flags there that would suggest to me uh, that he could come back to earth a little bit here in 2019. But listen, if you've got Zeke, Barkley, Alvin Kamara with one of those top four or five picks, and you see Dalvin Cook again in the second round, I have no hesitation snapping him up. None. None whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, Dalvin Cook is a dual threat. Um, he's going to give you the, the rushing, and he's also going to be using the passing game. So we already know that about Dalvin Cook. We have not seen the full 16-game slate, and I think that's the only reason why he might be a forgotten man, just because we haven't seen the, uh, the type of volume you want in that workhorse. 
Uh, but Christian McCaffrey, I mean, I don't see him getting below 90 receptions this year as long as he's healthy, regardless of Cam's shoulder. So when it comes to somebody like Christian McCaffrey, I, I got to buy that all day uh, just because I know the targets are going to be there in the passing game. Um, One quick thing I'm looking at with Dalvin Cook, and you know we're going to talk about this a little bit later on in the show. You're going to have some guys that are going to start creeping up as we get close to the draft time. Uh, we're looking at Tyree Kill right now. His ADP just flew through the ceiling. So that's another guy that you're going to be putting in front of Dalvin Cook. Uh, you might look at Todd Gurley as a potential if you get some good news where they're saying, you know, he's really healthy, he's full go. Uh, and also, I think you're going to see the ADP start to climb just naturally from those people that, uh, you know, wait really long to start their leagues. Because right now, everybody's skeptical of Todd Gurley's health. Uh, but I think if he does get a healthy report later on in the year, you're going to see his ADP rise too. So that might be two guys uh, that get put above Dalvin Cook that's going to make him well available into the second. Uh, and if you're one of those guys drafting with the first five pick, you might be able to get him at the end of the second even. Yeah, yeah I would think so. I think Damian Williams, I think Derrick Henry, I think those are two other running backs that could potentially go uh, in front of Dalvin Cook as well. A lot of folks are, are really, really interested uh, in those two guys. I mean, we haven't even mentioned Lennon Fournette. Marlon Mack seems to be getting a lot of buzz as of, as of late as well. So, I don't know. To me, like I said, Dalvin Cook, I think a lot of people are excited about him. Obviously, I'm, I'm kind of leading that charge. Uh, but I, I wouldn't be surprised. He's going to be a guy, as you mentioned, that, that is going to fluctuate a lot uh, in drafts, anywhere in between that mid to, second, uh, mid to late second round. And I think in a lot of drafts, I think he's going to even fall to the early third. All right, man. So we're going to do some in or outs today on the, on the show. Uh, we're going to get to that just a little bit later. Uh, but I got to do it real quick. Just one in or out. And it's basically like this guy or that guy. Uh, Dalvin Cook or James Conner. Let's say you're at the 205. I would probably still say Dalvin Cook. Um, and, and again, we're talking PPR, right? Yes, That's sir. Probably. Yeah. So in PPR, give me Dalvin Cook. You know, again, I'm going to ride that. Uh, Gary Kubiak upside um, and, and in terms of the injury concerns I think both guys have it right yeah. I mean uh, James Connors a guy that's you know come off of a ACL tear you know he was banged up a lot last season as well he he hasn't really been a guy to me um, that has shown to be a model of health either uh, so I think both of those guys come with a lot of inherent risk um, in terms of the injury front and, and for that reason I'll probably take Dalvin Cook all right. Yeah, there you have it. Uh, so we're going to shift gears a little bit here. We're going to talk about the tight end position. So I'll throw that up to you, Blake, uh, for, for, for this segment. Yeah, so when you're looking at your tight ends, this is another thing that really could affect some of these early running backs and wide receivers is how people are going to draft these guys. So I've seen in a lot of drafts where, you know, Travis Kelsey usually goes pretty early. But then sometimes you'll get Ertz, uh, O.J. Howard, uh, George Kittle, some of those guys falling back towards like the fourth, fifth round. But you also have those times where you get some crazy runs with the tight ends where Kelsey, Kittle, and Ertz all go within the first two, two and a half rounds. Uh, so how do you adjust that? What are the late round guys you like? And are you comfortable taking one of those top three tight ends that early in a draft? I can't remember a draft where I've ever taken tight end early. I mean, even, even when Gronk was running around and wrecking shop, I just – I just never could get myself to get uh, a tight end that early. I mean, look, if you got Zach Ertz last year, you were crushing it. 
you know, Kelsey obviously was really good. George Kittle, who a lot of folks got super, super late, was doing some things. But I don't know. I can't ever see myself spending a top five pick, a top five round pick, rather, um, on tight end. But that's just me. Um, and, And a lot of it, again, has to do with people say, oh, well, you just have such a statistical advantage. Um, if you've got one of those guys, but the problem is it's hit or miss. I mean, even Gronk, when he was absolutely wrecking it, okay, so you got that one year. Okay, but then, then you had to spend a first-round pick, and then he was in and out of the lineup. So, a lot of people got burned with that. You know what I'm saying? So I, I just – I don't know. Like, if you can hit on a tight end late, then that's kind of the – that's kind of what you're going for, you know? I mean, I look at fantasy football calculator. I mean, guys like David and Joku are going, you know, anywhere in like that ninth, 10th round. I, I'd sign up for that. I think Austin Hooper in that Atlanta offense, I, I'd sign up for that too. So um, Trey Burton is a guy that might be a post-type sleeper that, you know, could do some things in this um, Chicago Bears offense. So there's a lot of guys to me um, that I'm interested in late, you know, that I probably would just wait on the position until like rounds 9, 10, 11. Um, and to be honest with you, I, I'm just – I'm such a psycho about tight ends that I just wait until, like, rounds 13, 14 and just see what's there. And I, yeah. and I just go with whatever's there. Yeah, Stephen and I are kind of in the same boat. We really like Trey Burton, too, this year with a lot of upside. Great value there at the end. I mean, you've got Greg Olson at 13.02, and then you can get Trey Burton at 13.06. You know, what's Greg Olson maybe going to play six games this year? <laughs> who knows <laughs> Who knows how right. long he's going to be on the field, but – Right. I got to ask you one more question about these tight ends. What do you think happens with Jason Witten this year? I, I mean, I don't think he's going to be drafted in fantasy if that's what you're asking me, and nor should he. I mean, unless you're like in some Dallas area league or something, you know. But <laughs> I don't know. What, what is he going to post, you know? I mean, I don't see given the offense because they have Amari Cooper there, so they have a reliable uh, receiving option. Um, Tavon Austin's going to get a couple of looks out of the backfield. Ezekiel Elliott's going to get quite a few looks out of the backfield as well. I guess what's left on the table, you know, this is not a pass heavy offense, right? So, um, what's Witten going to post 50 catches? Uh, maybe, I, I don't even know. I don't know what he's got left in the tank. So right. I, that's, that's, that would that's be that's my major concern. That's really yeah. tough to gauge. Obviously, what does he have left? I mean, but. 2017, 63 catches for 560 yards. I mean, that would get you top 10 fantasy output in, 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 in the way the landscape is right now. Because you mentioned Trey Burton, Austin Hooper, David Njoku. Those guys were 6, 7, and 8 in, in fantasy scoring last year at the tight end position. It is absurd that Trey Burton is a 13th round pick when you take the landscape of the tight end. He was the number 6 overall last year. I don't understand that. Like, I, I understand, like, because he is a post-type sleeper. You're right. But kind of for the wrong reasons. Like, we wanted Zach Ertz out of Trey Burton, I guess. I guess that's what everyone wanted. And because he wasn't that, everyone just falls off of him. But right, he was a top six tight end last year. I mean, he got 76 targets. You know, I think that could potentially improve closer to the 100-target range. I mean, he could certainly get, you know, maybe 10 more targets. And then you're talking about, oh, okay. Yeah, he's right up there, you know, with Austin Hooper. Um, I love Austin Hooper. I, I think this guy has slept on um, in a great offense, um, you know. So, yes, I, I'm, I'm with you, James. I've always been the type of guy to wait on a tight end and just try to hit that, 
that flyer because it's such an advantage, yeah. like a George Kittle last year. Um, Zach Ertz, even the year before, actually was like an eighth-round pick. If you drafted Zach Ertz uh, in 2017, you, you pretty much ha- had such an advantage, you know what I mean, um, especially uh, racking up all of those running backs and wide receivers that you can accrue and then get the late guy. Um, so you mentioned a couple guys. I just have to talk about Mark Andrews real quick because that oh is – Oh, my God. I love Mark Andrews. Do you? Okay, good. And, yeah. and, and Blake is on the same page. Blake actually was the one last year – Blake liked Mark Andrews last year going into the, the uh, 2018 season. And I was like, all right, well, let's hold our horses here, you know. <laughs> but at the same time, he put up, you know, actually record-breaking year. Like, he was – he's a top 10 uh, as, in terms of rookie tight ends. He is top 10 in yardage. So he had like 552 yards. Uh, That's better than Rob Gronkowski in his rookie year. Um, So no one's really talking about that. His yards per reception, 16.2. And then he led all tight ends last year over 50 targets. He had right at that 50 line, he had 50 targets uh, in ADOT. So uh, average depth of target, 11.1. So over 50 targets, he was the league leader last year. And what's crazy? His A dot was eleven. What's that? His A dot was a, that's insane. His eleven. A dot was eleven. That's amazing. Put that in perspective. OJ Howard's was twelve point four, and he was like the only one above him. And and OJ Howard just didn't have uh, fifty targets because he only got the forty six before he was injured. Um, but what's really crazy is his catch percentage, sixty eight percent. And you're talking about Joe Flacco, who had an average season of sixty one percent. And then Lamar Jackson, who had a 58%, you know, I mean, it's ridiculous. So I'm looking at Mark Andrews this year, and I don't want to get, like, I don't want to have everyone say, oh, I got to run out and get Mark Andrews because it's a lock. But he is going to be one of the top pass catchers in this offense. We already know that. And I think he might be the more, most reliable guy in, in, uh, for Lamar Jackson. My, my only problem with – with it. And I look, I love Mark Andrews. Um, you know, if you're taking him in the, if you're taking him before round 12, it's just a bottom line. It's a mistake. This guy's a deep sleeper bottom line. Okay. But, and I love Mark Andrews. Whenever I, whenever I pop in Mark Andrews tape, I'm like, this guy just makes plays every single time I'm looking at this guy. I'm like, this guy makes plays. And as, as you mentioned, great catch rate, all of those things. But in fantasy, we start talking about volume. Um, and I just wonder how much volume is in that offense, right? When Lamar Jackson took over, he averaged, what is it, um, 22 pass attempts per game, right? So this is a team that's going to rely heavily, heavily on the run. Um, so of those 22 pass attempts, let's say, he, let's say they throw it 26 times a game uh, in 2019, obviously still a, an extremely low number. Um, of those 26 pass attempts, how much – is Mark Andrews going to see, especially given, again, I think they've revamped their, um, you know, they have they revamped their, their wide receiver core. Um, I, I look at the wide receivers, you know, they've got the rookie Marquise Brown, you know, Miles Boykins, another rookie. Willie Sneed is still there. I, I just, I'm curious to see what kind of volume Mark Andrews would see. And again, it's just, and overall, it's just because you're right. In that particular offense, he will see a good chunk of, uh, of the pass attempts. But the, the, the overall pie is so small, that's where I would be a little bit concerned. Um, but regardless, look, if you're taking him in rounds 12 or 13, who cares? Right. So that would be my take. 
No, exactly. That's a good point. I mean, you know, he, he put up uh, 552 yards last year. Um, you know, he only had three touchdowns, but if he, if he had two more, then you're talking about instead of, you know, tight end 16, then you're talking about closer to that tight end 12 range. Right. Um, so really, yes, definitely the volume needs to increase a little bit. The 50 targets, you, you want more from your tight end. Um, so that increases just a little bit, and then maybe you can get a couple touchdowns. It seems like a lock for top, for top 10 tight end, in my opinion. Um, so let's move on a little bit. We have to talk about Tyreek Hill, um, and then we're going to do a couple uh, in or outs here. So Tyreek Hill, I, when I wrote this show, Doc, he was at the 206 on Fantasy Football Calculator. He is now skyrocketed. He's up at that 202. So he is going to be an early second-round draft pick for all intents and purposes. Uh, are you comfortable grabbing him there, James? Um, yeah, I mean, look, he's going he's gonna to climb. I mean, this is, this is, you know, depending on your format, we're talking about one of the top, you know, wide receivers in all of 2018 he was either one or two uh it escapes me right now but it, and it depends of course on your format yes um but yeah, Tyreek Hill he was, one in well, he was one in standard so there you go um you know we're talking about a guy that's going to push for 1500 yards um push for double digit touchdowns um somebody that's going to see well over 125 targets probably 130 um and yeah so is he worth the second round price? Of course. Um, he's going to go early. I, I think, as a matter of fact, now that he's not getting any, you know, games suspended, uh, he will sneak into the end of the first round in a lot of drafts. Um, you know, it, it's just a question of like, are you, are you comfortable with everything? That's all, you know, it's, you know, it, it, he's in a really weird kind of situation where I think a lot of people are just going to kind of avoid him just because of all the other things. But just for a purely statistical standpoint, he's worth a late first-round pick, that's for sure. Blake, are you feeling the same way? Um, if he creeps up into that, like, let's say, like 110 range, are you good drafting him there, or would you just – would you pass? Uh, it's really tough for me, and it depends on my league. So in best ball, I'm going to say definitely I'm fine with that because he has those 30- or 40-point games just randomly, and that might be what you need. Uh, but if it's a weekly where you're setting your lineup, he's so sketchy because it really doesn't matter how good the defense is that he's playing. He's got a great quarterback, and his speed is unmatched. So I'm really not that worried about him on a week-to-week -week matchup. You're never going to sit Tyreek Hill. But he will sometimes get you those less than 10-point games. Uh, and even though his total score over the whole season is good, sometimes those weeks will really hurt you. So – uh, when I'm looking at a 110, I'm probably going to be looking at another guy like maybe Devontae Adams falls a little bit, or you can go a little bit early on Michael Thomas. Uh, I'm probably looking at those guys first. And if I can get one of those top three receivers, of course, adding D-Hop into that mix. If I can get one of them first, I'm going to. Uh, but after that, Tyree Killer would definitely be the first one. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking about a PPR scoring format, I think that guys like Michael Thomas uh, and Julio – kind of have more appeal because they're going to get, you know, over a hundred receptions and Tyreek just isn't that guy. And he's not going to be, um, he lives around 75 receptions. Um, you know, if he climbs up into that 85 category, like there was that one season where Deshaun Jackson just, he had 86 catches. I mean, that is substantial when you have a guy like that who you know is going to take the lid off the offense. 
but if he becomes more of that like 85 catch range guy, uh, then it's no question you should get him at that spot. Um, I think that's the only thing that I would be thinking like, okay, do I want more of a floor guy? Because you know you're getting the ceiling with Tyreek Hill. Um, it just it just really depends kind of on, you know, your roster construction as well. Man, I cannot believe what we did in the full-time fantasy podcast network drafts. Uh, you know, we started off D-Hop. We had the eighth pick. Second round, we went Mike Evans. And we were able to come back in the fifth with Tyreek Hill. So, we very easily might have three of the top five wide receivers in this league. Uh, and it's three wide receivers with two flex. So, you know, just ridiculous. So, congrats to us on that. And <laughs> we're sorry for all you other podcasts uh, that are part of the great full-time fantasy podcast network. But uh, it's going to be a long season for you guys. Well, here's the thing. And, you know, I get where emotions maybe come into play and you don't want to draft a guy for, for a certain reason. But if you want to win in fantasy football, you really have to separate the two. And you also have to get a realistic grasp of suspensions because you have to, like, play out the possibilities. Yes, it was definitely a possibility that Tyree could have missed the entire season. But what if he just misses four games? What if he misses eight games? I mean, if he misses eight games – especially in like a best ball format, I think you're okay. You know, like you have to consider that. Like, all right, I'm going to get him at the end of the year, who is what, a top five potential guy. Um, so it really just, you have to kind of separate the emotion from, from reality when it comes to fantasy football um, and, and, and not be scared to pull the trigger. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Scared money don't make money. I mean, we say that <laughs> all the time. And Tyreek Hill being the wide receiver three, potentially four, on your team is going to win you some money. Um, you know, like, I, I think that uh, I, in the past, I've been reluctant to draft early on in the summertime. I'm like, you know, looking at people like, why are you drafting in May? Now I understand because you can get that advantage on rookies as in terms of value, because every, all the rookies value skyrockets uh, eventually, uh, especially after the draft, of course, and then training camp. And then you get the advantage in, in situations like this with Tyreek Hill. So, yeah, pat, pat ourselves on the back for that one because now Tyreek is our wide receiver three, and we're feeling pretty good about that. Um, so, so let's talk a little bit about this. Uh, James, Tyreek Hill or Juju Smith-Schuster? Um, whoo, that's a tough one. I love Juju. I love me some Juju, man. Um, my only my only hesitation would be you know everyone says oh he's gonna take in you know all of Antonio Brown's targets and so it's gonna be it doesn't work that way you know the guy's a slot receiver you know Antonio Brown played in the slot he played outside we're talking about generational talent no Juju's not gonna take all those targets right so but they have to figure out a way they've got to manufacture some some deeper routes um, for some other wide receivers and Juju will certainly be in on the mix on that as well um, overall I just think you know, in PPR formats, I'm probably more comfortable with Juju again because, you know, I think he provides you a safer floor. Um, but, man, that is – that's a tough one. That's a coin flip for me. Uh, that is very, very tough. You know, I'll, I'll tell you what. You know, you guys had mentioned Julio Jones uh, taking Julio before Tyreek Hill, and I'm just – I'm not sure I agree with that. I mean, I think both guys give you a pretty scary floor. Um, and I think Tyreek Hill honestly gives you a higher upside. Um, you're right in terms of, you know, you're, you're going to look at the end of the year and say, well, 
Julio Jones is going to give you 90 to 110 catches. And, you know, there's so much safety in those PPR numbers. But, yeah, I just – I don't know. Oh, I just – I feel like I've been burned so often by Julio Jones week to week that I, I just – I still think I'm chasing that Tyreek Hill upside. I'm 100% with you uh, in your logic there. Uh, yeah, I think what I was saying with the PPR scoring is that Julio is up there in those 100 catch that 100 catch range. So you are getting, you know, maybe a safer floor uh, with with the PPR scoring format as opposed to a guy who's going to give you 75 uh, receptions and then like you know the big yard. So it seems like more of a floor play with Julio. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I think that if you look at the stats, Tyreek Hill is actually more consistent than people might think. Um, you know, I was looking at uh, the next-gen stats for him going into 2018 with Alex Smith as a scorer back in 2017. Uh, 55 of his 75 receptions that season were under 10 yards. So what does that mean for him? I mean, that means that he is actually a possession receiver as well as a deep threat. So, yeah, if you look at Tyreek like that, then I think that the ceiling is worth, worth it at that, at that cost. Um, one more for you with Tyreek. Uh, Odell or Tyreek? Oh, Odell all day. That's, that's, to me, that's not even close. Um, look, he's got a great uh, – Odell's walking into a great situation. It's a great, it's a great offense, at least on paper. I think offensive line has some concerns. They traded away Kevin Zeitler, but that's fine. Um, I mean, replacing a guard shouldn't be – that difficult I would hope um, that being said you know you look at the overall offense Nick Chubb Duke Johnson reported to camp so maybe he'll be there maybe he won't doesn't matter uh, but <laughs> Nick Chubb is there Landry is there David Njoku is there most importantly Baker Mayfield is there um, and and the biggest thing for me too is the fact that um, you know they brought in uh a new offensive coordinator. And you, and you might be saying, oh, well, Freddie Kitchens is going to call the plays, which is fine. But Freddie Kitchens was super aggressive. Well, guess what? Now he gets to play call plays, Freddie Kitchen does, out of a playbook that's ultra aggressive. Todd Munkin uh, comes from Tampa Bay, got let go there when uh, Bruce Arians got the job in Tampa Bay. Now he comes over and is the OC for the Cleveland Browns. He is an arid out type of guy um i mean we saw it last year with tampa bay you, you people don't realize this but they threw for over five thousand passing yards in tampa bay with ryan fitzpatrick and Jameis winston what is baker mayfield and odell beckham jr and jarvis landry and, and duke johnson and david what are these guys gonna do i just think they're that pie is so big um and odell beckham jr is such a special talent um, I would take him over darn near any wide receiver, um, maybe except for Nuke. That's it. I've got Nuke and I've got OBJ and then everyone else I don't even care about. I love that take, man. I love that take. I think that o Odell is actually uh, undervalued this year. He has potential for wide receiver one overall this season. Uh, and just for, you know, uh, perspective here, Odell right now, 201, according to Fantasy Football Calculator on PPR scoring. Uh, 201, Odell. 202, Tyreek. And then 203, Juju. Um, so just for context, they're going right there, back to back to back. Um, you bring up Jarvis, and Jarvis is a guy that myself and Blake feel is definitely being slept on because he's going back to the slot role where he could actually have more value than last year where he's not the wide receiver one. He's actually more – 
you know, uh, capable of being the, you know, playing into his strengths. And then you have, you know, a guy like Odell Beckham, who's going to draw the defense. So you bring up Jarvis. So I got to ask you Jarvis Landry or DJ Moore. Oh, it's Jarvis Landry. I mean, and again, this goes back to Carolina's offense, Cam Newton's shoulder, uh, the overall health of that offense. I just have very serious concerns. That's all. Um, <laughs> look, we're talking, we're talking, it's been multiple years now. The shoulder has been an issue uh, for Cam yes. Newton. It took Andrew Luck out of an entire season. Okay. Um, and now he's, but it took him to be out for, almost a year and a half, 18 months to get right. Cam Newton, I think, is showing a lot of these signs, wear and tear. We know he's a big boy, but at the end of the day, he runs the ball a lot. He's taking a lot of hits, um, and he is getting worn down. He's coming in. He's getting worn down. He's got a bad shoulder. Again, I just, I've got serious concerns about this Panthers offense, um, and I like DJ Moore. I really do. Uh, this guy is a, a special player. You get the ball in his hands, and he's an he is an angry wide receiver man he's angry he brought he he after after the catch he looks like he looks like a running back i mean he wants to put it on people um yeah, he reminds me a lot of steve smith man in so many ways you're right oh in that panthers jersey 100 100 percent. but again i just worry about the overall uh health of the offense look curtis samuel's coming back too um i, I wonder if there's going to be some competition for targets there and so long as cmc is is going to gobble up 120 targets i just how much of that volume can possibly be funneled to DJ Moore? I just don't know. Yeah, and I'll do, I'll do one more with Jarvis, and then I'll toss it up to you, Blake, for a couple more for, for James before he gets out of here. Um, Jarvis Landry or Tyler Lockett? Oh, this is a hard one. Everything, everything about the stats, the metrics, everything tells you that Tyler Lockett is going to have a bad year in 2019 everything tells you this they don't throw the ball a lot uh he was historically efficient on deep balls um last year i mean everything about it the efficiency metrics were just unbelievable unbelievable his conversions on deep balls uh his conversions on on in terms of converting air yards into actual yards just all of that stuff was just I mean, there's, he's the outlier to the outlier, okay? Right. That's how out of control his 2018 season was. That being said, he's such a good player. Russell Wilson's such a good player. And, oh, man, I still feel like I'm going to chase that. And, and, I, and I just have a feeling like I'm going to absolutely regret it. But it's scary. Well, I mean, okay, so Tyler Lockett, obviously what we're seeing, and as fantasy analysts – when we see that outlier, we know regression is coming. So that's what scares us about a player that has a really great year, right? One thing I will say about Tyler Lockett is that he's going to get all of that volume that Doug Baldwin got now in that slot. So you have the regression that could potentially come, and we know it's coming, especially in that, that touchdown rate for sure. Uh, there's just no question that it's coming down. But then you might get that ba to balance out with the volume. So it seems as if Tyler Lockett is safer than we might think. Um, I, I do think that, you know, at, at the draft price, he's 506, and then Jarvis is at 507. Um, so that's going to be a decision that you, you'll have to make. Uh, I think you made the right choice, though, as far as uh, 
your your buddy Matt Harmon. He's he's a big Tyler Lockett guy. We had him on, and he was just absolutely smitten about Lockett. So I think that uh, you made the right case not to listen to this. No, look, Harmon knows more about wide receivers than I'll ever know. Okay. Um, and he loves Tyler Lockett. He's loved him since his rookie year. Okay. Now that being said, um, it's just in terms of the efficiency metrics, like I said, I think he's a talented player, but just the efficiency metrics overall were just out of bounds. Right. So um, I just, I have some serious concerns and I just don't necessarily know um, if he's going to actually get there. So um by the way, okay, so Tyler Lockett, I just looked this up on Next Gen Stats, but Tyler Lockett on passes of 20 or more air yards downfield, okay, converted on 79% of the pass attempts. 79% catch rate on passes of 20 yards or more downfield. That's what? ridiculous. That's Russell Wilson right there. Yes. That is the I mean, Russell Wilson. <laughs> Yes and no. I mean, listen, an almost 80% catch rate on, on oh, it's deep still balls? That's still ridiculous. That's, that's I'm absurd. Just saying, a lot of these other guys don't stand a chance. Let, yeah. let, let me put it to you this way. The, you know what the league average was? League average was 34% <laughs> on passes of 20 yards or more downfield. Tyler Lockett, 79%. Even Tyreek Hill, by the way. Tyreek Hill, one of the best deep ball guys in the league. Patrick Mahomes one of the best deep ball throwers in the league. Okay, Tyreek Hill only connected on 43% of those catches, right? So that's why I'm saying you take away something. Right. And oh, by the way, oh, by the way, seven of those touchdowns, seven of his, his double-digit touchdowns, seven of them came on those kinds of throws. So this isn't one of those slant-and-go type of situations. No, this is a straight-up, we're running a nine route, whether from the slot or from the outside flank or whatever, and we're just telling you to go. And we're just going to fly it up there. And this dude caught seven touchdowns with a 80% catch rate. I just – there's no chance in hell that holds up in 2019. There's just no way. I, I hear you, and you're right. Exactly. The, it, we know the regression is coming there. Uh, that is a ridiculous yeah. stat you just dropped. Uh, one thing I'll say, I mean, look, Russell Wilson is, he might be the best deep ball thrower in the game. I mean, when it comes yeah. to accuracy of the deep ball, uh, so Blake is on to something there. Like, you know, when we talk about Mahomes, yeah, we know Mahomes has, has that gun. Uh, but when it comes to accuracy downfield, I, I think Russell Wilson is tops in the league. So you have that, that juicy combination right there, even though the volume might not be there because we know they're a running team. Uh, you, that efficiency still could be there. So uh, lock it at the 506, not bad. That's not a bad, not bad. place at all. No, no not that's enough. not bad. That's not Wait, bad at all. Like, give, uh, give James a couple in or outs before he gets out of here. Yeah, I got one, I got one quick one here, but I really want to hear about this one because I can't make my mind up on it. Uh, and strangely enough, these two guys are right above Tyler Lockett and ADP at 502 and 504. <clears throat> Chris Godwin and Cooper Cup. Uh, both guys that have played for two years. I really like their upside. Obviously, some concern with Cooper Cup's injury, but looks like he's good to go. So, assuming he's healthy, which one of these guys you got? Um, I still think it's Cooper Cup for me uh, in PPR standard formats. I probably go Chris Godwin, but the the only reason being is is Goff has a straight man crush um, on yes. Cooper Cup, 
And, and I think that that trio of wide receivers, it's like a 1A, 1B, 1C. I don't think you could say, you know, between Brandon Cooks, um, Robert Woods, and Cooper Cup, I don't, I don't think you can say any one of those guys is a primary receiver. I think they're just, they're just a group of pass catchers. Um, meanwhile, in Tampa Bay, I just think Chris Godwin, as great as he is, and he's a, a phenomenal player, at the end of the day, he is the number two, period. Mike Evans is the number one, um, and Chris Godwin is the clear-cut number two. Now, that doesn't mean – it doesn't mean that Chris Godwin's uh, not going to, you know, have his weeks because he will. Um, last year, he posted, you know, nearly 850 yards and 60 receptions, right? So, 59 receptions, 842 yards um, to go along with seven touchdowns. So, that's pretty good. And in year number three, historically a pretty good year for developing wide receivers, you're thinking, okay, you might see a little bit of an uptake. I just – I don't think this is a guy that necessarily – unless some, something happens with injuries, um, I don't see this guy, you know, breaking 1,000 yards, and I definitely don't see this guy breaking 70 catches. So um, that's probably where I would lean. Uh, I just think, like I said, I think Goff loves Cooper Cup. Uh, and he will get, I think, on a consistent basis, on a more consistent basis, um, a healthier target share week in and week out, and that's probably why I would lean towards Cooper Cup. But I certainly understand why it's very enticing uh, to chase Chris Godwin for sure. I'm glad you I'm glad you said Cup on this because I think most people are going to lean Godwin. Uh, I think anywhere in drafts that you know Godwin uh, comes up, people want to just jump all over that. Um, you know, it, he's really the guy that everyone is projecting to have this huge uh, fantasy season. But like, we need to reel that in just a little bit. Um, and you're right about, you know, the 1A, 1B, 1C thing, because if you're looking at those three receivers in Cooks, Woods, and Cup as a tier, well, you want the cheapest option in that tier. And Cooper Cup is that in the fifth round. Uh, right. Yeah, Jared Goff. And Cooper Cup are best friends. They were roommates uh, at one point. We saw how that was for Tony Romo and Jason Witten for years. Uh, this is kind of like a similar situation. When they're in the red zone, when the Rams are in the red zone and they're passing, Goff is looking Cup's way. And it's not just, you know, okay, good, he's looking his way. No, Cup is a big receiver, and he poses a threat in the red zone. And he's going to get you, if he plays 16 games, he can get you 10 touchdowns. And then that is huge value at the 504, um, where it's actually more likely that he's going to get 10 touchdowns as opposed to Chris Godwin. So that's definitely. By the way, can, can I mention this about? I love the fact that you mentioned his size, Cooper Cup size, because um, for whatever reason, man, like I, you, you see, you see a white guy in the slot, and you're thinking, oh, you must be a small guy. No, this dude's six two, 210 pounds. Like he's a big boy, yeah. um, and and he is again in that slot receiver role. I, I, a big guy, a good route runner, was extremely effective, uh, extremely productive in Eastern Washington, too. So I, I love the fact that you bring that up because I really feel like people see Cooper Cup, a, a white guy in the slot, and say, oh, he must be undersized. He must be one of them 5'9 dudes. Nah, dog. 6'2, <laughs> 210. This dude can body you, man. So, yeah, this, yes, I love that you bring that up. Yeah, this ain't Cole Beasley. Nah, this is, no. this, this is a beast. Uh, so. Blake, give, uh, give James one more in or out, and then we're going to uh, wrap it up here. All right, I got one last one with no stats to really go off of, unless you look at college, but I don't, I don't count that. So, Akil Harry or Paris Campbell? 
They're one round apart in ADP. Nikhil Harry's at 910. Paris Campbell's at 1109. Oh, man. Um, oh, that's tough. Um, and, again, it's, it, you're right. It's because they're rookies. You don't know what, um, what their roles are going to be. Um, man, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to stretch out my answer because I'm really trying to wrap my mind around it. But, you know what, I'll say Nikhil Harry. Um, and, and the reason being is, you know, Gronk is gone. Um, I, I, love, I love the role that he could potentially play uh, in that offense. He ran, a, he ran a pretty good 40, so he's got, he does have long speed. It just takes a while for him to build it up. Um, that being said, I don't think they'll put him in that situation. This guy was an absolute beast in the Pac-12 uh, playing for Arizona State. Uh, I watched this guy week in and week out, and I'm like, you can't guard this guy. There was nobody in that conference that could guard that dude. Um, he didn't have a great quarterback, but there was no way, you know, you're winning one-on-one -on -one against Nikhil Harry. Now you give him Tom Brady. I mean, you know, I think he can do some damage. So, um, so yeah, I'll probably say that. I just don't know what role I, – I do know what role Nikhil Harry will play in that offense. At least you would think so. Um, he'll still be a secondary target, obviously, uh, because he's a rookie still kind of learning that system. But Paris Campbell, that's just a completely wide open – I have the range of possibilities for him is, is anything. I mean, it could be zero – it could be good. I mean, I have no idea. So I'll probably shy away from that a little bit. I think that's spot on. And I think, you know, we're talking about this summer value. And Kill Harry has a ton of that summer value because if you drafted him in that ninth, tenth round, and now you're looking at Edelman's being out at least three weeks, that's going to be an extra 12 targets. So 36 targets in the first three weeks that have and to Gronk go. And Gronk is gone. And no Gronk, yeah. So all those targets are going to go somewhere. And, you know, of course, they've added other – other tools, but I got to think and kill Harry is going to be the go-to at least for a couple weeks. Yeah. It kind of seems like, I mean, cause maybe I'm off on this, but you know, everyone was all over in the kill Harry as far as like uh, draft Twitter, NFL draft Twitter. Oh, number one, number one, number one. And okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And the kill Harry is the number one and that he was definitely my number one and he got drafted by the Patriots. And for some reason, it's like people are kind of awful Nikhil Harry now where like that is one of the most ideal situations. And I think we all thought that when he was drafted initially, like, Oh wow, this is perfect. But for some reason it just isn't registering that like this guy, uh, and not only can he be an outside threat, but he can line up in the slot and take some of those tight end targets, tight end type targets, because you know, the, the Patriots have done stuff to like kind of like stop the bleeding at that position, but they haven't done anything to replace the position. I think they'll actually use Harry in that like uh, closer to the line. Uh, oftentimes you'll see him in the slot. If he gets lined up against a linebacker, it's done. So I think we can kind of see that Nikhil Harry kind of has a clearer path to targets where Paris Campbell yeah, he's going to get you like 25 points one week, but you're never going to see it coming. That's kind of how I'm seeing that, unless they really have a game plan uh, in Indianapolis for, for Campbell. Uh, that's, yet, that's yet to be determined. But I, I'm telling you that Paris Campbell is, you know, I mean, at 4-3 speed, uh, he can really have a great year if they utilize him. Uh, but I'm just not sure how that's going to go right now. I guess I'd also be more worried about touchdowns uh, overall. But, you know, because, again – and the reason I hesitated was because of that 4-3 speed, you know. 
because I'm thinking, oh my God, I love speed. And, you know, you get with Andrew Luck and, you know, if, if they've got over, over the top coverage on, on T.Y. Hilton, you know, Paris Campbell's going to be running on that, on that flanker or that slot go and just see you later. You know what I mean? But, um, and we know one thing about Andrew Luck, he loves to attack deep as well. I think Nikhil Harry, though, you bring up a good point, you know, especially if he, as they start getting closer to the red zone, you know, 6'2", 225 pounds, physical, strong hands, good hands. Um, he will certainly be a, a great red zone threat. The only problem, and, and again, I think this is, it kind of speaks to why people are a little bit off of Nikhil is the Patriots offense is just so tricky. You know, it's so difficult uh, to predict where that secondary receiver um, is going to play and when they will be good, you know? So, cause you know, Edelman's going to get the bulk of work. Uh, but again, with, with Gronk out, that does take away a primary target in the red zone. So certainly some red zone opportunities should present themselves. Um, so yeah, my gut reaction was Nikhil Harry and, and I think I'm talking myself into it. Awesome, man. Yeah. I think we're right there with you. Uh, James, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Uh, you know, I, I've always been a big fan of your work uh, back in the NFL Network days. Uh, so it's really just a pleasure to, you know, talk fantasy with you like this. Um, just tell everyone once again where they can find your stuff and what you have coming up for them. Yeah, man. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I do a pretty good job of uh, trying to stay connected with the fans and stuff. At uh, James Deco is the Twitter handle. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook as well. All of them are all the same. Um, I'm going to be writing for Yahoo Sports uh, this upcoming season, which is a blast for me. And, uh, and of course, please watch DirecTV's Fantasy Zone. Uh, every single Sunday, we cover every single game. We'll show you every single score. We're with you from kickoff all the way until, you know, till that Sunday night game. So uh, it's a lot of fun, and I would absolutely uh, encourage you guys to watch it if you get the chance. Fantastic, man. Awesome. Yeah, we are out of here, folks. Uh, thanks for listening to the Hot Take Podcast. Go to thefsgn.com. Sign up for Draft Pros. We're going to be there for you this season. Uh, we're going to help you get through those drafts. Uh, go to Full-Time Fantasy. Check out the podcast network over there. Uh, you can sign up for some high-stakes leagues. They have some $35 best ball leagues going on right now. Uh, on behalf of Blake Sullivan and James Cove, my name is Steven Troni. This has been the Hot Take Podcast.